0: Hello and welcome to episode 35 of Double Reel, the monthly podcast magazine for the discerning film nerd. It's March 2023 and the beginning of spring but someone forgot to tell the weather that. We're here to get you through the month with a big helping of cinematic content for your waiting ears. My name's James Adamson and I'm a film nerd with a geeky love of film and obscure stories from the world of cinema and a lot of opinions. Joining me on the podcast is my co-host also called James Adamson. Welcome James.
1: Thank you very much for the lovely introduction. It's great to be back.
0: We aim to provide you with the podcast equivalent of the monthly film magazines you used to buy in the newsagent, packed with a range of features from the world of film. We divide each monthly issue into three parts, which we release a week at a time to keep your feed fed through the month.
1: This is the first part of the episode, Double reel Monthly. We'll look at recent film news, what new releases are heading our way, and review any new films we've seen since the last episode. We'll also discuss how we're getting on with film-related resolutions we made for 2023.
0: Next week we'll deliver our regular features, classics and recommended, hidden gem, the one that got away, and the remake hate watch.
1: The following week it'll be The Big Conversation, where we talk about a topic from the world of film in more detail. We'll tell you a bit more about that at the end of this episode, and there are more details about all of our features on our various social media channels. If you want to check that out or comment on the
0: podcast, you can find us on Twitter on at Double Real Film. There's also an Instagram account called Double Real Podcast and the Double reel Podcast Facebook page for you to follow if you're that way inclined. You can also follow us on letterbox.com slash double reel, where we list all the films we've discussed in the podcast and much more besides. If you like the podcast, we'd also be very grateful if you could leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or whichever platform you use, as it really helps us get the word out to the rest of the world. Now it's time
1: to dim the lights and take your seats from March's Double Reel Monthly. Hope you enjoy it.
0: Let's get into it. Double Real Monthly is the first part of the episode and gives you a regular digest of news, new releases, and how we've been fitting in movie watching with our busy, exciting lives. This replaces our monthly roundup from previous episodes, and the content is fairly familiar. In the next hour, you'll get a breakdown of what's going on in the world of film this month that will set you up for your own movie watching. As well as that, at the start of each year, we make some film-related New Year's resolutions, so we'll be discussing the goals we've set for ourselves in 2023. As always, our mission is to give you a great discussion about films and film-related stories that will inspire you to escape the confines of the algorithm and watch something you haven't seen or have been meaning to see for a better cinematic experience. Also, just to quickly mention our other podcasts which you might like to check out. The Adamson's Versus is where we step away from the world of film and talk about stories, news, and anything else that has caught our attention. Our most recent episode is still The Adamson's Versus the Sex-Trafficking Internet Personality, but we're working on a new one to bring to you soon. With that piece of self-promotion out of the way, let's quickly look at some messages we've been sent. I'll save the ones for the features and Bing Conversation for those episodes. Uh, Message reacting to some of the features from previous episodes. Gramreal gets in touch on the socials regarding All Quiet in the Western Front and said it's a good movie but 45 minutes too long. Uh, That's a Probably criticism you can level at most films these days. Uh, Talia joins the surprisingly numerous ranks of those who have defended the remake of Three Musketeers. Sure, it's 90s Disney and it op- oversimplified the story, but it was fun. Tim Curry was highly entertaining and Oliver Platt was good as Porthos. I can't think of a role I've not liked him in. Laura responds to our feature on Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. It was a great film, but difficult to watch because of the sheer grief and pain it portrayed. Uh, Tony, Friend of the Pod has been ruminating on, a, on our discussion of adapting video games for the screen. I don't think there's any game which will lend itself to a film or TV conversion as well as The Last of Us, because it's a great narrative with no roleplay or side missions. In the game, you play your part, but the story develops and turns out the same way regardless. Most games are just about playability, but The Last of Us is focused on a brilliant story and breaks all the rules. People have been talking about the new film, Cocaine Bear, which we'll be discussing later. Andrew says, besides a couple of funny moments, Cocaine Bear is rough. Banks is a better actress than director. Jamie says, I'm not sure exactly what people were expecting from a movie about the Cocaine Bear. It's as good as everyone should have expected. On the other hand, Eric says, loved it. A little slow at parts, but overall definitely worth the ticket. On my Cronenberg entry, uh, The Brood, uh, DJ says, a typically mental slice of vintage Cronenberg. Great sense of paranoia throughout, and one scene in particular that was really shocking. Doesn't quite hit the heights of the fly or video drone, but still has more substance and subtext than most horror films from that era. Okay, um, well, thank you for all those comments. Uh, now let's let's look at the news. Let's talk about sort of news stories that have caught our eye this uh, this month. There might be a couple of things that happened a couple of weeks ago or are happening now as we record on the twenty second. Uh, James, what news, uh, news? stories that caught your eye?
1: Well, obviously the Oscars happened, and that's a pretty big thing. Yeah, isn't it? Um, but we're obviously going to talk about that in um, the big conversation, aren't we? So yeah, maybe we should just say that they happened, and we're going to discuss it in a real th- three. Uh, real yes, three, part three. Yeah, yeah, part three. So yeah, we'll um, probably dissect it a little bit there. Um yeah. But yeah, um, a couple of days ago, uh, Lance Reddick passed away sadly at the age of sixty. He was known for doing pretty much everything. He's probably most famous from the John Wick franchise as the sort of concierge, yeah, from a at the film point of view, fucked up yeah. hotel, yeah. And he was in loads of TV stuff. Was not in the Wire as one of the policemen. He was, yeah, he um, was one of the
0: senior policemen in the Wire. He's in a really good show called Bosch as well. He's in all sorts of really good yes. things actually.
1: Um, yeah, that so, was yeah, sad. That was that sad really and quite sad.
0: sudden as well, wasn't it? Because he, like, he always looked like a boy who was in really good nick as well, didn't he? It's just sort of it's a real, a real shock well, that he's passed away. It's he not was like... a
1: massive, sorry, he was a massive video gamer, and he was yeah. in the game Destiny. Yeah, and he was playing that the night before he passed away.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: He was um, so it seems like he's just maybe had a heart
0: attack or something. That seems and to just to kind be of come on all of a sudden.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, in other so, yeah. sort of similar
0: related news, but maybe less of a surprise to people who followed his career, uh, the death of Tom Sizemore was announced uh, a couple of weeks ago, which is very sad.
1: Um, that was well, also quite sudden, wasn't it? Like it, from it, it, it was more well, su- from my perspective, yeah.
0: It was sudden in the sense it, that it was a, a brain aneurysm, which is obviously a catastrophic event. Um, and you know yeah it hits the the, the person very suddenly you've just exhausted the complete extent of my medical expertise there so yeah it was a sudden it was a sudden death but on, on the other hand if you were gonna if you were gonna tell people say 15 20 years ago that Tom Sizemore would die just just past the age of 60 and not live to a ripe old age most people would have sort of said yeah that sounds likely just because of the extremely kind of uh, hard lifestyle that he's that he's had um and it's obviously very sad that he's gone he, he, he clearly was you know struggling with a number of demons that i think he tried very hard to overcome uh and he but he does leave behind some pretty impressive acting performances he's in in he's very good in black hawk down as one of the one of the people in the armored car one of the soldiers in the armored car he's you know, very memorable in heat he's in strange days which i love and obviously. Probably the performance that made him a star or one of his biggest performances was uh, in Saving Private Ryan. And it, it, he's always a memorable screen presence and it is sad to see him gone.
1: Yeah, knew that was sad.
0: Uh, anything else caught caught your attention?
1: Um. So I don't know if this is film related. Well, it is, but it isn't. But Chris Rock released his Netflix special and I kind of wanted to talk about it. Where yeah, that's film adjacent, is kind of just, isn't it? so he's basically just completely ripped into um Chris uh, not Chris Rock into Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith. Yeah. But for real this time because the way he's ripped about them, you would have expected more of a slap for what he said this time. Um side note, Marlon Wayans, who is one of the worst people to ever grace comedy or um Hollywood was criticizing Chris Rock. Um for um, not hitting him back and saying this is the best moment in Oscars history blah, 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 calling him a little bitch. Marlon Wayans made white chicks and paranormal, what's that horrible ghost house? Horrible, he's part of like the Scania Moody franchise. Yeah, yeah. He's a cunt. Marlon Wayans, you're a fucking asshole. Fuck up. Sorry. Will Smith's not going to shag you, by the way. Anyway, well, no one's going to shag Will Smith either. Wait, because his <laughs> wife... Sleeps with them in. Anyway, Chris Rock's basically come out and said, um it was such a bitch move for Will Smith to to hit me because he knew that he could beat me up. He's massive, he's six foot three, and I'm just a little scrawny guy. Um and he went, He's he's basically said that Will Smith's only hit me because he was hurting that much from basically being cuckolded by Jada Pinkett Smith that she hurt him way more than he could ever hit me. Yeah, that was that was the, the line that here, stood
0: it. out, wasn't it? Yeah. He, um, he, he hit her more than, more than he hurt me, was what he said, wasn't he? And it, that line
1: really yeah. stands out, yeah. And he people ask him, did it hurt? And he said, yeah, it hurt. I've still got summertime ringing in my ears. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is very funny. Um, but yeah, that's um, sort of what happened. I don't as Will Smith responded? I think he's responded and said it's really hurt him to see Chris Rock talking about that, which is very selfish. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I think Will Smith—that's the least he deserves. I mean, he physically assaulted someone in front of hundreds of millions of people. So, yeah, it's sort of kind of come up again, hasn't it? It's sort of like,
0: yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, I mean, it, if you haven't
1: if you haven't seen it, it's brilliant. What Chris it's, Rock absolutely super. just even that three yeah, minute bit—it
0: is absolutely super. Um, the whole the whole show. Um, it's obviously very well timed, isn't it? Because it came out. You know, uh, you know, uh, just shortly before the Oscars was was broadcast, so it's obviously Netflix have timed that very well. But it's kind of, I'm not sure what sort of response Will Smith was expecting. He slapped a guy in the face in front of the whole world, uh, and I, I I'm not at all surprised that that Chris Rock had a go at him for that. And I think probably Chris Rock has uh, Chris Rock has kind of bided his time and said he's not going to react immediately, but he is going to say what he's got to say about it. And I think. He's made his point very very clearly and very well, hasn't he? He, he? He's he's pinpointed what a lot of people thought, that what Will Smith was doing was acting out because of p- other personal issues, that it was a, a really ridiculous thing to do. Um, and, you know, Chris Rock's kind of mic drop end to his show, which is to say, you know, I was brought up not, not to fight in front of white people. It's like, I think Chris Rock kind of... <laughs> pre- pre- Chris Rock pre- pretty much put the cap on it. He just pretty much put the cap on it. And I think... What,
1: what, oh what Will Smith God.
0: needs to do now is address the stuff that made him go and do that. And, and either he does or he doesn't. And Chris Rock has said, in my opinion, everything Chris Rock has said is fair comment. So Chris Rock has kind of summed up the situation very, very well. And Will Smith can react how he wants, really.
1: Yeah, I think when I watched it, it just kind of made me think, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, Will Smith, what are you? It makes me really sad because Will Smith is one of my favourite actors and I still enjoy his performances from the past. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to go as far as saying that what Chris Rock was saying, where he enjoyed um, his character getting whipped in Emancipation, but it does make me yeah, not want to watch I mean, any I, more I, of his yeah, films anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's and it makes me sad because it makes me think, uh oh, that's that's Will Smith done now, isn't it? Because by the time he's allowed back at the Oscars, he will be what's he now, fifty five. So he'll be 65 when he's even allowed back at the Oscars. And he's not going to make any more big films, is he? No one's one's gonna go back.
0: The assumption is, is that all the films, any films that come out in the next kind of 18 months are films that Will Smith had already done or was contractually kind of locked into doing, and the studios are making those rather than pay him off, right? And if he if he make if he makes a steady stream of films after that it means everyone's kind of forgiven him. And if his filmmaking con- like output really slows down after that, you can assume that it's because people have said, I'm not touching him with a barge pole. We'll just have to wait and see, really. Because at the moment, he's got films coming out. But you know what it's like, how long it takes a film to go from, you know, signing on the dotted line to actually being released. He's still, you know, releasing films that he was either working on or, or finished before last last year's slap. So... I I suspect it's going to cause quite a slowdown in his career. Not because what he did was so bad. I mean, I think we talked about it at the time. I mean, things what what Roman Polanski did is like eight million times worse, and he's been steadily yeah he did
1: that in seventy eight and then won an Oscar in two thousand and four. So So
0: it's pretty it's pretty mad. I think what what it's done is that it's just put such a hole in his public image because his public image was always this guy is very smooth and smart and together and takes you know is kind of good humoured about life and to see him kind of act like that it's just like that's it's all you know and
1: there'd
0: been a few things there'd been a few things things beforehand hadn't there about you know it's like is he a Scientologist is he not the stuff that's gone with Jada Pinkett seems a bit weird but that just kind of that just brought the whole kind of edifice crashing down didn't it see oh that's what Will Smith is like you know
1: well, that's what I was actually going to say. It's, we could do a big conversation on Will Smith because I think she's brainwashed him. She's done something. You know what I mean? Like he, he, because what reason has he got to stay with Jada Pinkett Smith? Realistically, Will Smith could have his choice of any woman, and he's with her—a fucking maniac. Yeah, yeah. And it just—it it makes me think. What are you doing with this woman? Who's obviously, obviously toxic. I'm not saying it's a, it's a particularly vain thing where you could have any woman you want. But it's a case of what does she do for you, other than sleep with other men and make you want to hit comedians in front yeah, of millions wh- of people. what's he getting out right, of that relationship? Just come ra- Sorry, Obi's just come round the fucking mic and you've probably <laughs> heard a lot of noise there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, right, carry on your point.
0: They say, what say, what, what's what's this relationship giving him that makes it worth all the bother, you know? You could ask. You have asked yeah. the same question about, like... Uh, um, you know Johnny Depp, like pers- you know, and Amber Hood actually persevering with a relationship that wasn't working for as long as they did. You know, but Will Smith in particular just feels like, mate, you've got five houses. You need to like jump in the car yeah. with an overnight bag, drive somewhere, you know, and just get out of that. And like after a week of doing what you want and and being, you know, you'll surely you will see. It's like someone. It's like his friends need to stage an intervention and in kind of deprogramming.
1: Oh, be sorry. <laughs> just sniffing the mic but your point is just going to be
0: <clears throat> uh, that's all right we we we, we like the pre- we, you know but we we've got the dogs to help give out awards and, and like choose cinematography uh awards so you know that we know they're a part of the podcast now
1: um, i think obi wants to be involved with his mac just shits on the bed so that's good <laughs> Again.
0: okay um okay uh a couple of other things that have come up um Kevin Feige and Patty Jenkins have had Star Wars film projects shelved. They were working on Star Wars films that are now not going to come out. That's all that's been announced that I've seen. Um, I don't know quite what they were doing, but Taika Waititi is now working on a new live action feature in the
1: franchise. In Star Wars? Yeah. I think I knew about that, but I'm not sure what's it going to be about. It's not going to be like 10, 11, 12, is it?
0: I don't know. Patty Jenkins' project was called Rogue Squadron. It was going to be a standalone film about a new generation of Starfighter pilots. Um, And Kevin Feige, I can't quite see. was There was a projected Star Wars film from Feige, the Marvel guy. There's no information on that. Um, But then, you know, Feige's committed to Avengers Secret Wars, which is coming out in 2026. And Taika Waititi's project is... It's a secret Star Wars film, so it's all been kept very under, under wraps as to what's happening. So is this a new trilogy? Is this taking the story on somewhere else? Who knows? We'll just have to wait and see. But that that's happening. And um, there's going to be some new Lord of the Rings films, it says.
1: Which does feel like they are trying
0: to squeeze the last kind of drops out of the franchise. Um, You know, it's not like it's not like there's an expanded Tolkien universe where you know other writers. Well, there is an expanded Tolkien universe. It's called the entire fantasy uh, fiction genre, like where Tolkien's kind of ideas kind of inspired like a thousand other writers. But there isn't like someone who's kind of picked up the Tolkien world and run with it. There's nothing. There's nothing really for them to work with, I don't think, and I I do fear for that after, you know, after what we've seen of like these franchises. Just it's it's a financial decision, not a creative one, right?
1: Yeah, I'm not I'm not too sure. I trust that Kevin Feige anymore. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, because I don't, of the disaster. Yeah. Of the Marvel Phase Five was that Phase Four Phase Five? I don't even know what that was. I think that was Phase
0: Four. Yeah, it's it's. I, f- I feel like that that's Disney. I don't know who owns Lord of the Ro- Lord of the Rings rights, but it does seem. Oh to be, yes, of course. Yeah, there's two things though. There's I mean D- Disney just seems to have turned like Star Wars and Marvel into a, a completely soulless production line, and the Lord of the Rings just seems to have gone gone the same route. It, it seems to be all part of the same. Uh, uh, The same sort of continuum of um, these things being just put in, put into cans and stuck on the shelf instead of being proper events like they used to be. You know.
1: Yeah, I mean, are these Lord of the Rings films? Do we know much about them? Do we know anything about them?
0: Um, No, it's Warner Brothers Discovery, who frankly have been screwing up royally. All sorts. They've had their hands in some of the DC balls up. They're the ones who kind of went full streaming and pissed off everyone who, who makes films for them. Um, it is uh, no, they've they haven't announced anything because I've got a feeling they don't have a story yet. They just, you know, they've just announced that there's some money they'd like to make. So God knows. Huh.
1: I mean, it's, yeah, I was going to say because are they just going to make Lord of the Rings again? Just with no, it sounds like different it's
0: gonna be, Sounds like it's going to be new films. Inverted commas, new films oh with this this presents a problem for the film industry right because the problem you got with the film industry at the moment is it's really really hard to make money with a new film that's not based on some sort of existing like title story ip or whatever right and yeah, yeah the people who do have marketable ip seem to be fucking determined to kill it off with shit films, you know, it's like Marvel is what's keep was what's keeping blockbuster cinema or your yeah, mainstream cinema afloat because people are not going to see these sort of mid mid range films anymore. They'll stream them, and that's fine. You stream them. That that's a way to make money, right? Um, the big films have to be kind of big blockbusters, you know. But you know, based on like worlds that people have already heard of, Marvel was kind of leading that, and now Marvel's fucking screwed the pooch. You just think, well, who's Who's left, you know? Because all right, James, you'll get another James Bond, but the whole point of James Bond that it's one person, one film. I mean, they could do a spin-off of that, um, but you know, the Broccoli's have been very, very protective of of that for, with good reason, which means that you know that you know that they'll if they, it takes them three or four years for the next film to come out, that's what happens as far as they're concerned. They do not turn it into like a production line. So it's a question: is if Marvel screws it up, you know, and Tom Cruise is going to retire soon or die doing a stunt soon, what's left? <laughs> You know, because you can't guarantee that DC aren't going to fuck it up and Marvel have fucked it up. So, Jesus, what's left? Fast and Furious. Although we're now having the same conversation we had last month. But it's like it's 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 a continuing worry. It's like cinema needs, you know, everyone said that the Avatar and Top Gun Mavericks saved cinema because it got people coming back to the cinema. That's great. We need more of that. But some of the big kind of engines for that kind of entertainment seem really to have lost their way lately.
1: Yeah, it, it is interesting. I think that's what surprised us, and we're going to talk about this in the Oscars, just about the kind of the things that won this year, and yeah. the popularity in the films that were in and about this year, because, and I think that's it's partly down to the fact that people are watching more varied films, because of yeah. just how boring the blockbusters have been. Yeah. Oh, just a wee side note, when you said the broccolis there, did you know that the people that make the James Bond film, the broccolis, actually invented broccoli? No. Yeah. Really? Not Not like, not Barbara Broccoli, but like her family. Her family. Back in the, back in the deer. Um, I think they made a cabbage shag a lettuce or something you, and that's you, what broccoli. You,
0: you, I mean, that would have made a very good quiz question and you've, uh, you know. Fuck! You've missed the boat on that now um well that would that there's a bit of foreshadowing there's a bit of foreshadowing james did the foreshadowing last last month it's me doing the foreshadowing this time but we will come to that um but yeah that's um that's it the the world of, of franchise continues to be a bit stale is the news and i know that's not the biggest news any more news stories you want to draw out
1: no can't think of anything can you no
0: so let's talk about some new releases. Um, we're, we're only going to talk about the ones that have actually really caught our attention, because otherwise I'm just reading off a list. Um, there's a film coming out uh, imminently uh, called Project Wolf Hunting, um, which sounds completely wild. It's a Korean film about a shipload of convicts who are being transported by sea to Busan, funnily enough, but it's not part of the Train to Busan franchise. It's That's just a big seaport in, in Korea. Um and the convicts break out, but it's not just about convicts breaking out. There's also some sort of a monster on board from the name of the film. I'm going to guess werewolf, but I genuinely don't know. But apparently it's absolutely like wildly out there in terms of kind of just full on, you, know, yes. you know, violence and gore. Um, the new There's a new Dungeons and Dragons films out, which is, I guess, the attempt to kind of generate some new uh, new films based on existing IP. <laughs> Have you seen any trailers for this?
1: No, I couldn't give less of a fuck about it. it it's got re- Chris Pine, though, hasn't it?
0: It really looks quite shit. It
1: really looks shit. I think it's just shit. to get the audience of Stranger Things to watch a film, because that's obviously been a big theme throughout the series. Um, yeah, I mean, they've, they've the tried, reason, they've tried
0: this before. They tried Warcraft, and now they're trying Dungeons & Dragons. I mean, look, if, if it's got a fan base and they can make a good film out of it, great, but I, I must say the film did not look brilliant. But hey, I'm, I might I'm be prejudging I mean, it.
1: I've just gone to its IMDb page and it's got seventy-seven on Metacritic from fifteen critics so far.
0: You know, maybe they that, just need to. Uh-huh. Yeah, maybe they just need to kick <laughs> the ass of the person who's doing the trailers for that film because the trailers look fucking crap. Yeah. Um, in a in a similar vein, the new Mario Brothers movie is coming out. Uh, this is no. this is all animated rather than live action like last time. So no Bob Hoskins. <laughs> <sighs>
1: What a film! There's your Oscar winner right there. That's right, yeah. <laughs> um, Have you,
0: you got any thoughts on a Mario Brothers film?
1: Well, I think I'm going to get fucking dragged to see this because my message, my message was very much the Nintendo generation, like, right. or was a Nintendo kid, whereas I was more of a PlayStation kid. Yeah. So she loves Yoshi, Luigi, and all that shit. So instead of going to see Creed three, we're going to see Mario, I imagine. Um,
0: so the thing with the thing yeah. with Mario Brothers, right, is that. It is. It's like the Sonic films, which have actually done okay. Which is, you just really need the characters, and you can kind of do a, whatever story you want, really, because it's not like the the films have got the world, the, the games have got the world's most intricate story. And you could just say, well, this is this is going to happen to Mario Brothers now, and because people are fans of that character, you, you know, it is an option to kind of do that. Whereas when you do, you know, the problem with Assassin's Creed was that there is always going to be some question around. You know how does this relate back to the original game and gameplay? You know, whereas with Mario Brothers, it's just like I saw the trailer for that, and it's just like, oh, the Mario Brothers are going to have an adventure, okay? And it, it's either good or not, you know. Um, but it's going to work. It, it, that that has just has to work as a kids' animated film, which is another area that's kind of not done brilliantly lately. So maybe they'll fill a hole, you know.
1: Yeah, um, and, I think it'll be all right.
0: Any other new releases caught your eye?
1: Well, obviously, I just said Creed Three. Um, yeah. So I think I wanted to see Creed three because I enjoyed one and two. But my partner had never seen um, Creed. She'd seen some Rocky films, and I thought, well, why don't I get you to watch Creed? And she wasn't really into it, so I thought oh, we're not going to go and see that. So I've not really. I'm not going to go to the cinema, you know, myself, um, to see it. I don't think it's. It's not got reviews good enough that would warrant me doing that. Um, have you been to see it?
0: Yeah, I have. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll keep my powder dry for 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 the, for the review section. Um, I have seen it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So there's obviously that it's not it's not got terrible reviews it's got decent reviews um I just in between all the things of working and you know doing stuff with the house and planning a wedding it's just I've not got time to go to the cinema yeah. unless it's something that's really gonna catch my eye and that yeah wasn't yeah one that's of them. just
0: the way it goes yeah um so I, there are a couple other ones coming out which I thought going to be interesting uh they're doing Renfield. Now, Renfield was the name of Dracula's assistant, so they're telling the story of Dracula from a slightly different angle. And Nick Cage is playing Dracula. Do you remember we, do, we yes. were talking about Nick Cage stories where he went and like, slept in a coffin in Transylvania as like, character preparation for Dracula? This is the movie he was doing that for. <laughs> so i mean i i will probably go and see that just to see and it it does seem like they're trying to do like they're trying to bring back the horror characters again and they've tried this a few times they've done the Wolfman, they've done the mummy they were they they tried they they did the invisible man but they did it in a completely kind of standalone way that that, that doesn't like whether you like that film or not, it, it, it that doesn't kind of feel like I'm doing this as part of a franchise, you know, it's like doing that on its own. Because they do seem to be trying to bring back these these horror creatures, because as you say, it's all about pre existing IP these days. If they are going to do this, they need to make them proper horror films. Because the, the Mummy's already been done as an action film in a bit of an Indiana Jones style back in the day and it was really good and it's been done and it's fine but it's played out. If they were going to bring back The Mummy they, sh- they should have done it as horror rather than as a 200 million blockbuster because guess what? Horror makes money, right? And and if you're going to do these horror characters, characters you've got to make them as horror films. So if that if that works as a proper horror film even if Nick Cage makes it, you know, quirky or amusing in any way, it's got to be a horror movie. Otherwise, fucking forget it. It's 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 Dracula. If it's not a horror movie, what are we watching it for? You know. Um, and the other one is, yeah. uh, sorry, mate, I, I jumped on before you. Started.
1: No, no, I was, I was just, I was just agreeing. I was just agreeing with you there. Right. Um, that sounds like it's going to be bonkers.
0: Yeah, let's see. And one that came out, it kind of sneaked up on me, um, but it is coming out in in the next couple of weeks between now and our April edition. It's on about the 7th of April, I think it's coming out, is Air. I don't know if you've seen this. This is based on the true yeah. story of Nike, um, who were a not not a top player in the sportswear and, and, and training shoe and running shoe market in the early 80s. And the way they courted Michael Jordan when he was still a rookie, because they believed he was going to be the next big thing, Uh, and built a uh, you know a a brand of, of, of basketball shoes around him that basically overtook Converse as the main shoe and then made Nike kind of a worldwide brand because of the success of it this is the true story of that happening with uh directed by Ben Affleck and starring Ben Affleck and Matt Damon um I'm not sure how interesting a film it's going to be, um, but basically the trailer tells you the entire story. But um, what I I thought was interesting is this is an Amazon film, but they are giving it a wide release before they make it available to everybody on Prime. So it does potentially mark a shift in the way in which the streamers uh, look at theatrical distribution especially when Netflix say that if they do another um, Knives Out film with Daniel Craig, they'll probably give it more of a shot in the cinema than last time because they feel like they, they're missing out on theatrical revenue. So I thought that side of it was interesting. The movie itself, I just kind of told you everything that happens, and that was in the trailer. I don't know what else there can be in there because that's literally what happened. Yeah. They, they, they came up with the Nike Air shoe, Air Jordan, and it was really successful uh, and, and well done to everyone involved. I'm not sure what else there is in the story, you know? Um, but that is out. I thought I thought it was interesting that um, Amazon are, are genuinely behind uh, releasing a film in the cinema because you know like Netflix films like they showed The Irishman for like one weekend and then it was just on Netflix. You know, whereas now yeah. the streamers are going a bit more out. So those are all, those are all the new re- new releases I wanted to mention. Uh, anything else occur to you?
1: Nothing springs to mind no.
0: Um, so we're going to add a, a new feature in here. We're probably going to do this every month, uh, unless this is a complete disaster. We're going to do a, a a shootout quiz. We're going to do a quiz in the form of a penalty shootout, uh, because as well as being film fans, we both uh, we both like football, and we're going to do this uh, quiz in, in in that format. I ask a question. James asks a question. The the winner uh, uh, is the one who's you know got the most right or the fewest wrong after after five questions. Um, and James, this was your suggestion. You suggested that the um, the winner of the quiz can make the, uh, the the loser of the quiz perform a forfeit in the form of watching a, a film that they
1: may not perhaps want to watch.
0: You want to talk a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, so I just kind of had the idea. I think I was watching a, a video, you know, like on those Facebook shorts where you just watch loads and loads of videos and loads of things come up. And these guys were just asking each other questions. It was about... It was about music, and I thought, well, hmm, let's see if we can make something like that for the podcast. Because obviously we have like our set formula, but I think something like this is just kind of like a little fun thing. Just to yeah, kind of we, include. We've done a like, couple
0: of things like that before, and they've always been really fun to do. So yeah, I, I really, I was so, really interested in this when you suggested
1: it. And then, you know, if if you win this month and then I win next month, it becomes like a kind of competition and maybe like yeah. after a year, we see who won, if, some, if it was six and six or someone won yeah, seven yeah, or someone won five yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, we've just got five questions each, haven't we? We've, I've tried to cater them to you because obviously you've got a different taste in film to me. So I've tried to not make them impossible Um, I
0: I hope I've done the same, but you never you never when you when you're doing it for the first time. If we get to the end of the five and you think you prick, you've (laughs) and we've missed every single pen. You've (laughs) asked the most kind of like you know obscure questions, and you're twice as my age, so it's not fair. You know I have tried to be fair on this and say I haven't asked questions about films from years before you were born, unless you're really likely to have seen them. You know the big films from a given era, right? You know like Jaws or something. I know you've seen you know the big movies Jaws and Rocky and stuff. And I've tried to yeah. not make them ridiculously obscure, but obviously sort of challenging. Now, what do you want to do after five questions? In the unlikely event that, well, possibly likely event, it might be nil nil. If if we haven't got a winner after five, do you want to do sudden death or do you, or do you want to just call it a draw?
1: Uh, yeah, I think we'd have to go find another question. Like, I've, I've only got five questions. All prepared, right, well, so let's, I'll let's, I'd quickly let's, go find all another, all another I, question kind of thing.
0: All right. Or, or, we, or we can just say call it a draw after five, yeah? Okay, look. Let's call it a draw after five. Um, so, um, now the forfeit. Now, what, 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 uh, what did you have in mind as a forfeit for me to watch if you win?
1: I was going to make you watch a, a Baz Luhrmann, like Moulin Rouge or something like that, or Australia.
0: Okay. okay. Now, I, I had two options. Uh, if, if you weren't going to do something as mean as that, I was going to, I was going to suggest something less mean myself. But I've decided that if. Uh, uh, if I win, you're going to have to watch a Wes Anderson film.
1: Uh,
0: and the one that I have picked
1: out. Uh, is,
0: the one that I've picked out is one that I think you're going to find especially annoying. It's called The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. So it's, uh, it's quite an annoying title in the first place. It's got a really badly animated imaginary shark in in the story that that, that they're going after. Uh, and lots of kind of very kind of ironic kind of underwater special effects. Mm. Bill Murray wears a woolly hat throughout, and, oh. and 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 the film is punctuated with the bloke singing David Bowie songs in Spanish on his little acoustic guitar. Oh my guitar. fucking
1: god! <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've just had a pint of Stella. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that's that's your forfeit. So do you want to choose now what film you're going to want want to make me watch? Which Baz Lerman, are you going to make me watch? Just to, the, 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 I think well, Australia.
1: Oh, and, if, if I'm having to watch that, then Australia, because okay, Australia so, is a piece of dog shit. So,
0: right, there Those are stakes. There are the stakes now. We've both got skin in the game here. We both definitely don't want to lose this quiz. So, James, would you like to go first or go uh, go second?
1: I don't mind. You ask the first question.
0: All right, I'll, I'll, I'll ask the first question, and i better, I better keep track on the score here. Um, right, right. Question one from my side. Which physicist advised Christopher Nolan on the science of Interstellar?
1: Oh, Kip Thorne.
0: Uh, one to James. Oh. You ask your first question. Okay.
1: For what movie did Tom Hanks score his first Academy Award nomination? Is it big? Yes. Oh, strong start.
0: Okay, so we got so it's one H after one question. Okay, my second question. In which Bond film did Halle Berry play a Bond girl?
1: Die Another Day.
0: Very good for James. (sighs) Got your second question lined up?
1: So, I'm thinking this one is now really difficult upon reflection, but what 1927 musical was the first talkie, in quotation marks, so first movie that was had speech
0: was it the jazz hear.
1: singer fuck yes
0: not difficult enough we're asking questions which we're, were you know we're both I think on an equal level each other this is good so question three how many of the top five grossing films of all time to date and that's unadjusted for inflation so it's just just the top top line number how many of the top five highest grossing films of all time have been directed by James Cameron
1: Um, now, has Avatar 2 snuck in? No. I think it's 3.
0: It is 3. Avatar
1: 1, 2 and Titanic. <laughs>
0: okay, a testing question Thank that you in you, China. Okay, Okay, your third question.
1: Okay, so what Wes Craven horror movie carried the marketing tagline to avoid fainting, keep repeating, it's only a movie?
0: Now, trying to work out which of his early ones would have been like this. Is it? Uh, is it Last House on the Left?
1: Yes. <laughs> I wasn't sure. These are that spicy. Or the,
0: that or the Hills Have Eyes. Okay. Question four: What year did Leonardo DiCaprio star in both a Spielberg film and a Scorsese film? You don't have to name the films. You just have to oh, name um, the year that
1: they had. I know the film. No, that's the thing. I know the films. I don't know the year. So it's Catch Me If You Can, to New York, or so 2002.
0: Yes. Okay, so four each, yeah.
1: No, four three.
0: Oh, because I haven't asked. I've my still th-
1: got two questions. Uh, you should have one question left. Oh, I've got that's two right. That's left. right,
0: because you've uh, yeah. Sorry, you haven't asked question four. I'm just, ask, question,
1: I'm just waiting to ask you. I'm just waiting to ask you. Who played juror number eight in Twelve Angry Men?
0: Oh, oh Jesus! Um, oh, what's that do? Is it Henry Fonda?
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fucking hell. Okay, five, and uh, this may not this may not split it or or not. Um, which of the following actors has starred in films directed by both Ridley Scott and Tony Scott? I'm going to give you three names. Only one of them has appeared in films directed by both of the brothers. You have to name that actor. Okay, Russell Crowe, Gene Hackman, or Tom Cruise.
1: Hmm. So obviously. Ridley Scott has done hundreds of films with Russell Crowe, but I can't think off the top of my head if he's done any with Tony Scott. And then on the flip side, Tom Cruise has done um, Top Gun. And then what was the other one? Gene Hackman. Is that just the curveball in there? What's the Gene Hackman one that... He was with Tony Scott's Is that. Was Is it Enemy of the State? I can't think of anything that Russell Crowe's been in that's also been with Tony Scott, but I can't think of any Tom Cruise film. Unless I'm missing something completely obvious, I can't think of any Tom Cruise film mm-hmm. with Ridley Scott. I have... Was Russell Crowe been in that? Was Russell Crowe? In a... I'm I'm just gonna bite the bullet and say Russell Crowe. It was
0: Tom Cruise. Ah, oh, what's Tom Cruise been in with Ridley Scott? Um, he he actually did a Ridley Scott film before he did a Tony Scott film. He was in Legend in 1985. Right there, you are. Um. So okay. So. If I if I get this right, I've won the shootout. If I get this wrong, we'll call it a draw.
1: Okay, you ready for this?
0: I'm ready for this.
1: What is the highest-grossing R-rated movie of all time?
0: Okay, so we're talking unadjusted for inflation, right? It's just straight dollars. Yes.
1: Yeah, so yeah. So it's just if it's if it's two and a half billion dollars, it's two and a half billion dollars not because Gone With The Wind was made for a tenor sure. back in
0: 1937. Okay, so R-rated, highest grossing. It's probably going to skew a little bit recent, just because the, the numbers are higher. Um, so things like Die Hard and stuff, they did well at the time, but didn't make that kind of money.
1: Just trying to think...
0: So you're talking there are films that have done like five or six hundred million lately so i'm just thinking is there one that's gone beyond that okay i'm trying to give my brain one last chance to recall something that might i'm going to kick myself if i don't get this because i'll, I'll know the name of the film
1: um would you like a clue because you sort of gave me a clue by saying the three actors
0: no, 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 that was, no. That's, you sure? Yeah, 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 I, that, that was a hard one, given that, you know, that Tom Cruise's Ridley Scott films before you were born. I'm going to throw a guess out. I'm going to say Deadpool.
1: Oh! Now, Deadpool was the highest rated movie, R-rated movie of all time. When it came out, it made loads and loads of money. However... Todd Phillips made a film with wacky Oh three shit. Years ago,
0: Fuck Joker, of course. In. Yeah, fucking hell. Joker. Oh. Joker. Okay. All right. right, all we'll, we'll I to want to all see
1: all how else. much is in it though. I want to see how much is in it though.
0: Yeah. Cuz Deadpool
1: made about 780 odd million and Joker made Oh, a billion. Fair enough. Not much in it. Well, no much more than I thought in it. Yeah, I mean
0: the joke the joke I knew there was one that was just going to absolutely kind of stick out. All right. Well, we'll have to call that a draw, mate. That was a pretty high-quality shootout, though, wasn't it? I mean, we didn't. I uh,
1: know. You could, You wouldn't tell that we've got English in us because we scored <laughs> a few there.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, all right, well, we'll call that a draw and we'll, ha- we'll have to um, hold over those forfeits. Do we for both
1: have to watch the...
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think if we'd scored nil each, we'd have had to do our forfeit. But we yes, both, we're okay, both. so if, <laughs> that's, that's if
1: there's a future. really bad week, do we have to both watch the shit film? Yes, yes, that's a good one. All right.
0: Okay, now, let's talk about some new films that we've watched. Uh, have you watched any sort of new or recent films uh, lately, mate?
1: I watched bloody loads of films this month. Just to prepare for the Oscars chat, I thought i will try and watch as many Oscar-y films. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, watched everything everywhere all at once.
0: Yeah, what do you think?
1: Um, we can discuss that more of the Oscars chat, but I didn't think it was that good. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a bit bonkers and it was fun but it didn't make me feel anything like when when I watched 12 Years a Slave I felt oh my goodness that was horrible like that was the best picture of the year and then you know Birdman and things like that you watch it and you go wow that was that was something else for us I didn't feel that with this okay but it was a good story great performances I watched The Whale I thought that was a great performance. Um, now, was it, one of, Fraser, I was
0: it one of these typical Darren Aronofsky things where the whole thing is just a vehicle for one actor to give an award-winning performance? Because he's done this a number of times now.
1: I mean, yes, that's his films. Yeah, I think we need to just kind of come to terms with the fact that that's the films he makes. He makes his films with...
0: He, se- he centres on one actor, big, basically, doesn't
1: he? Like, big performances, literally, because in the wheel it's a big man. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, for me it wasn't... Oscar because he doesn't get any satisfaction out of that does he do you know what I mean I mean maybe he does but he wants to make films to get recognition as well yeah but yeah it was comfortably the best performance of the year because I also watched Elvis well I tried to watch Elvis and uh, couldn't be asked. they made Elvis boring and I feel bad for Austin Butler because he's actually doing a really good job playing Elvis he's got he's got the voice down he doesn't look like him at all because he just doesn't look like Elvis but he's He's obviously put a lot of research into it and he sounds like him and he's got the mannerisms down. But holy fuck it was boring. I don't understand how Baz Luhrmann still has a career in Hollywood. The same happened with the Great Gatsby. The Great Gatsby is one of the world and America's most treasured novels, and it had such a good cast, and it was fucking boring. Well that's and the that's same twice, happened that's
0: with th- twice with the Great Gatsby, they failed to they failed to make that twice now.
1: Yeah, the one with the Robert Redford back yeah, in the day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I put off Elvis after about forty-five minutes, and oh. then. Um, what else? What other What other films were like big on the Oscars this year? I've watched Top Gun Maverick, and that one a couple yeah, of awards. And you already watched. Banshees, I've watched. No, ba- right? and I'd watched Banshees of Anna Sharon. Yeah. Um Did you, you watch? Kinda, or, like, did the you in the Western Front? I haven't watched that. I'm going to watch that. And review it for next month's roundup. Okay. Um, that was that kind of missed out on a few Oscars, didn't it? It won like best.
0: Yeah, I mean, four, didn't it? it? It won four. I think it feels like missing out because they won so many Baftas, right? Um, and yeah. were, and you know, it is. Uh, they probably came and went in with slightly higher expectations than they would have done. Apart from that, um, it'd be interesting. Yeah, it'd be interesting to get your perspective on that film as somebody doesn't have the. The, the baggage around it you'll just be watching that film for itself really won't you it'd be interesting to see what you think of that um, yeah. I, I couldn't ignore the fact that I'd seen previous versions and you know knew the book and knew the you know some of the context around it and uh, you know you will be going in it just just to watch the film I think it'll be interesting to see what your perspective is on that um, anything else aside from yeah. your, your Oscar homework
1: I watched Creed 1 again great yep. film Yeah, watched uh, well um Finally, got my partner to watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or start it at least because she was refusing to watch it until she read the book and then wasn't reading the book. So I said, right, uh, ultimatum here. We watch the film we'll pack your bags. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> but I, <send> <laughs> I said, look, it's a great film. It's funny. It's daft. And if you've got the book, then you know, watch the film and then compare uh, and, it to the book. And everyone else has
0: watched the film first. It's not like a. It's not like a a, a book of a pre exist. It's not like a film of a pre existing book, is it? Tarantino wrote the book after the film, so I don't think there's anything wrong with watching it the film and and before
1: you read the book so but but to be fair i've been doing a lot of morning shifts so i we she got home from work and i'd already been up for about 14 hours so i fell asleep as soon as we started to watch it so she's watched about an hour of it i watched warrior again and i started that's the tom hardy sort of
0: mma type film isn't it
1: yeah it's just a it's a proper testosterone film you just watch punching and it's great that's that's the only reason i watch that film because it's just it's just good but i watched something that i found what i thought was going to be interesting it's the film of luther yeah i watched that i watched that yeah
0: we we can cover that now yeah what did what did you you well i didn't
1: watch all of it i thought it was fucking boring wasn't it shit it was shit did you enjoy it no it was terrible have you did you watch the tv show much I watched the first season and it was sort of what I've like the sort of thing that announced Idris Elba didn't it? he'd been in the losers and he'd been in the wire, but that was, he won like a golden globe for that. And he was, you know, that was him like being like a serious contender. I'm like, right, this guy is the business. He could, he could be the next James Bond just because of the way he played him, the kind of anger and ferocity of that character. I think that's what announced him well to me, at least as someone that could be the next James Bond. And I thought, I've not watched much of the later seasons because there's like five seasons now. I thought there was only three. So I think I watched season one and two and started three. Yeah, and there's, not, there's not many kind of episodes in the that. series,
0: is there? It's like a maximum of six episodes per season. It's British style, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you see... So, so I oh, will stick that on. And then it, I thought it was boring. You see, I never got on that great with the series. Um, it's obviously a good character for Gisela to play and he's brilliant. And that's obviously like probably yeah. the main focus of the original like idea of doing the TV show, is to say, we really need to give something, Idris Elba, something to get his teeth into, and and that he's brilliant, right? I've always found the series itself a bit far fetched. Um, it was, you know, the idea is he's a he's incredibly gifted but very flawed, and he's investigating horrible crimes, you know, in his own kind of maverick way. But I, I thought it kind of it felt like they on one on one level they were trying to compete with these like you know dark you know dark and sort of hefty American crime shows the ones that were it was all no holds barred and you know you, you, there's a greater level of psychological complexity and everything on the other hand they're always totally over the top they're always kind of far-fetched uh and and, and ridiculous so I, I it's not like I've said oh I love the series and this has ruined it because it kind of what it did was I felt it magnified the flaws of the show and took away everything that made the show work if you don't have the six episodes of build-up right you've just got two hours of fucking nonsense. Do you know what I mean? There's no... Yeah. Why Why does Andy Circus with his ridiculous hair have a fucking Bond villain layer and set up? Where, where's that come from? What's his background? There isn't any because you've only got two hours and he's got to do lots of horrible things and, and Idris has got to have lots of fight scenes and chase scenes. There's hardly any of the bit where Luther kind of figures stuff out, which is what he's brilliant at. So it takes away one of the things that was good about the original show. And you just get like a series of over-the-top action scenes that don't make a lot of sense. It really wasn't good at all. It was, And they're trying to make a pitch for like new Luther stories where he's um, you know, essentially working off the books for some sort of government agency. And I could see that, but this was fucking shit. I think if they are going to carry on doing Luther in that new setup that they hinted at, they should really just forget this film happened because it was really fucking dreadful.
1: I don't think they will. I think that's Luther done now. It's a shame.
0: It's a shame. If they'd if they'd said, "All right, the BBC's not doing Luther anymore. Netflix has picked it up and wants to do a new series, right?" And they'll run a new series where Luther does stuff and Idris Elba gets to be, you know, the lead in his own kind of prestige Netflix show. I'm 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 totally up for that. But this film was, you know, it was just in the end, it was just uh, uh, Idris Elba's coat against Andy Serkis's hair uh, in in just huh. a ridiculous fight matchup, and that's it was really pissable.
1: It, it was weak. It was weak. Um, I watched all the Harry Potter's again.
0: Just yeah.
1: Basically, I, the way I do it is if I'm on um, like an an afternoon shift, I've got a few hours in the morning, and for about six or seven straight days, I managed to watch all the Harry Potter's. was oh, very good. Um. And yeah, they are. Yeah, I think I appreciated them a little bit more now that I was a bit older. Um. See, when the first couple came out,
0: you were quite young. I'm trying to remember if we probably went to see them in the cinema, but you were like five or six when the first one and two came out, maybe six, seven, um, and then yeah. and then they start to get a little bit more kind of dark and grown up, like you know, Azkaban and Goblet of Fire. So, I don't know, I don't know what you thought of them as they progressed when you were watching them as a kid, and then when the last one comes out, you're what in your early teens maybe when the last one comes out or like 12 or something
1: the last one came out in 2011 so I was 14 Away 15 14, to be thrifted,
0: 14 I yeah I was always I always forget there was a bit of a delay in the last couple coming out yeah I don't know what you thought of them at the end there
1: um yeah I was a bit annoyed because I'd read the books that they were they kind of skimped on the they battle of left Hogwarts to, left in, too much out didn't they yeah. Like sometimes things do need to be streamlined. Like they didn't need Peeves the Portergeist, yeah, and they needed to kind of strip some things out. But the Battle of Hogwarts in Book Number Six was missed out from Film Number Six because they were going to have the really big battle in Harry Potter Seven Part Two, yeah, which we didn't really have in the end. Yeah, so yeah, it was a little bit disappointing. But no, I think I appreciated them a little bit more because um, just that there's some things you miss when you're a when you're a kid, yeah, and. A little bit more appreciation of what they were trying to do. Um, oh, that's good. But yeah, the, the longer that series went on, I, I actually appreciated the first one a lot more. Because obviously, that's the one that, you know, it's the oldest. They didn't have as good CGI, but I appreciated that one a lot more. And I, the way it goes is I like all the ones that are odd numbers. So one, three, five, seven, part one. And then I didn't like the ones that were all even numbers. All oh, right. Like Harry Potter 2 is far too long. Harry Potter 4, they've got that hair. Yeah, Harry Potter Six was just boring. Yeah, and then uh, it's
0: it's six um, half blood prince. Yeah, yeah, it was. It just felt like they were treading water. It felt like they'd done Order of the Phoenix and they just said, "Oh, we don't know what to do now." There was no progression
1: in that one. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was something something to watch. But, um, yeah. The the problem I've been having is that. Um, usually i've been watching like the the big tv shows that have been out like house of the dragons been out yeah. and tried to watch the rings of power but that was shit and then uh, the last of us has come out and i was actually really enjoying the last of us um but then my, i watch it on skygo my mum's got tv like sky tv and she's got the app skygo so i yeah. get a little shot of it yeah and it just doesn't fucking work it's a terrible app Yeah, it is. it's you that. you you watch you watch 3 minutes of adverts You'll get into the episode, there'll be five minutes of adverts throughout the episode, and yeah. it crashes. Oh, wow. So I remember I started episode five, I'd been watching the first four without a problem, and then this, the app started having issues, and it just starts crashing. So Rupert yeah. Murdoch, if you're listening, you already know this, but you're a cunt. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, but what they do is, if it crashes, so I get five minutes in, there's been a problem, our app has to restart, okay, cool. I start the episode again, I've got to watch the three minutes of ads at the yeah, start that's again. Really annoying. And you can't fast forward every five to 10 seconds. It's like 43 seconds every time you fast forward. So you can't find the point you were on. Mm. And I did that, crashed again after five minutes. I thought, like, fuck this, I'm not going to be able to watch this show. So I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to have to catch up with it Yeah, yeah. at some point. So because of that, I've just been, you know, trying to watch films that I've got, yeah. you know.
0: Oh, fair enough. Uh, so, well, yeah, there's a good collection of films you watch there. Is there. Was there anything else in your in your list?
1: Uh, I don't think so. I think that was it. Okay.
0: Well, we we talked about *Luther: Fallen Son* that I watched. Uh, I also went to see a couple of other things at the cinema. Uh, I went to see *Cocaine Bear*. Uh, okay. Now, I think we kind of suspected that it whatever they did was always going to be a bit of a come down from the idea of it, you know? Because we've discussed this a bit, haven't we? We have discussed it on this pod. We discussed it on other pod, the Adamsons verses. I was kind of excited to go and see a film of it, but I kind of sort of went. It's never going to be as good as the the idea in my head, you know, because I had this like brilliant idea in my head of like the bear just going off on its own little like wild adventures, like with a head full of drugs. It was, it was quite fun. I went to see it in a reasonably packed cinema. Right, the the screening was quite full, and I remember like the first kind of funny thing that happens. There's quite a loud laugh from the audience. So the audience is all there and up for it. It's a late night show. It's probably the perfect setting to watch this film, right? The, the audience is lively and into it, uh, and and off we go. It was quite good. It's directed by Elizabeth Banks, who people will recognise from her acting. She's directing stuff now. It's quite a good cast. Uh, Ray Liotta is in it in one of his last films. O'Shea Jackson Jr., Ice Cube's kid. Uh, Kerry Russell, who people will recognise, especially if you've watched The Americans on TV. Um uh, Alden Ehrenreich from Solo is in it, and is actually surprisingly good. I think he's actually maybe the best thing in it. Um, and Isaiah Whitlock Jr. from The Five Bloods and The Wire, um, and of course a CGI bear. Now we talked we talked a little bit about what kind of film this could be. Like, do you you know do you have a talking bear? Do you have an animated bear? Do you know what what storyline happens? What they've done is they've put together a number of connecting storylines that put a bunch of humans in the vicinity of the bear after it's taken all the coke and the bear is homicidal because it's taken all the coke right Uh, there's a pair of kids ditch school who go to the waterfalls they live near the national park and they just want to visit the waterfalls they're kind of friends who just don't want to spend time at school Um, their mum comes looking for them there's a a, an engaged couple going on a romantic hike through the park and they encounter the bear a group of muggers operating in the park and the park rangers trying to catch them are running through and you know so they all these stories are crisscrossing each other and and there are gangsters who actually sent the, the plane load of coke over there and they need to retrieve it before they're murdered by the cartel for losing all the coke. See, they throw all these humans into the national park to kind of encounter the bear. Uh, and the bear's homicidal, so there's lots of attack scenes. It's quite violent, quite gory. Um, it's quite funny. There are some good scenes. A number of the characters are quite good. Um, it does feel a bit thrown together. The, the, the CGI bear is a bit shonky. They didn't have, you know, I think they had about 30 million for this and I don't think they spent a huge amount on CGI. Um, and not all of it makes sense. For example, Alden Ehrenreich, while his character is really good and scene by scene, he's really, he's really quite funny. It's this kind of slightly depressed character. But his partner, his wife, who's his love of his life has, has died recently and that's broken him and it's made him want to quit working for his gangster father and all that sort of thing. But he hasn't seen his kid in weeks. In like six weeks, he hasn't seen his kid. He's just gone off drinking and depressed after his mum's died. And we're supposed to find him sympathetic. Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, hold on. You, you fucking haven't seen your kid for six weeks and who's just lost his mum. What the fuck are you doing? Do you know what I mean? And mm, that, yeah. that whole thing is only in there so that there's a bit where Ray Otter, who plays Alden Ehrenreich's father, um, can be phoning them from a soft play, telling them to go and find the drugs while he's sat next to a ball pit and the grandson's in the ball pit and it's quite <laughs> funny that the that the lead gangster is in a soft play yeah but it's kind of creates a problem for the story because we're then meant to care about Alden Ehrenreich, right whose character is a prick do you know what i mean for doing that do you know what i mean so yeah. it's, it's like they had a bunch of funny scenes which if you just enjoy it as it goes along it's fine but if ever you stop and go hang on but this is not the kind of film where you should stop and go. Hang on, right? You're not meant to take it seriously. So, kind of enjoyed it for what it was. Um, but I mean, it doesn't entirely hang together. It's, I guess, someone was going to have to do this story eventually. I still think what we, you know, our, some of our ideas were a lot better. And I think um, we can talk about the cocaine bear's appearance at the Oscars, which kind of links to all of this. Um, if you did, you watch the ceremony?
1: No, like, I was working a night shift, so I could have listened to it, but I was right, just too well, busy.
0: So, uh, ahead of us kind of talking about that, you can probably find it on YouTube. It's like Elizabeth Banks and the Cocaine Bear at the Oscars. It's quite funny. Um, We'll we'll come back to that. Um, So, that was Cocaine Bear. Um, It's all right. I also went to see Creed 3. Now okay now i i enjoyed it um i kind of go along with you to say that you know the reviews say that it's good but not earth shattering that's kind of what it is it's good but not earth shattering um it's uh, michael b jordan's going down the rocky route quite far now he's now taking creative control over the films and directing them himself like stallone did once he, he directed most of the rocky sequels um it's quite well directed um I would say this for film. On the whole, it just does what you expect a Creed film or a film in the Rocky franchise to do. It does all the bits you'd expect it to do. The bits, the you know, the 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 sentimental scenes that do get you in the feels. You know, it creates a scenario in which you have to have a big fight that has more riding on it than just wanting to win the fight. It does all of that stuff and it hits all the beats and it's absolutely fine. I think where it distinguishes itself is that it's really quite well directed um, by Michael B. Jordan. You know. When you normally watch a Rocky film, there's certain things that you would just expect to see, like they don't show you every round. They show you the woman walking through the ring holding the, the the round number, so you see three, four, five. Cut in with like lots of lots of fights. They get rid of that, and this isn't a spoiler because you can watch the film and how the film turns out. They actually have quite a big bit in in, in the main fight where all you see and hear is the two fighters in the ring. You can't see or hear the audience. You can't see the referee. It's just the two of them in the ring just fighting each other, and that was quite quite effective that's quite a nice way to kind of portray the fact that this is you know though imagining two athletes in the ring maybe can only focus on each other so that was quite good there's some interesting kind of generally direction of the fight scenes like shots of the of the ring and, and the, the boxes of that i've not seen before so that was pretty good um these films have the same challenge as top gun maverick in a way in that you've got to do something in the tradition of older films which played by different rules right if you had, like, a cartoon villain like Clubber Lang, right, or the Cold War kind of played out in boxing like in Rocky Four, right? Forget it, right? That's not... You can't do that now. But you've got fans yeah. of this franchise who want that much drama in the movie. Do you know what I mean? So they've got this quite fine line to tread that they've got to have, like, the narrative and the, the antagonist and the, the very dramatic and not very realistic fights. But it's more grown up than that. I mean, I, th- I thought... I mean, the is still not that realistic, but it was quite interesting that... Jonathan Majors reminded me a bit of like a Tyson Fury or a Floyd Mayweather, and that he's a really awkward, like, boxer guy. His, his boxing style is quite awkward and, and hard to kind of fight against, and I thought that was very interesting. Um, and the, Jonathan Majors is very good in the antagonist, and it's all just a bit more grown up. Um, the relationship between the two main people, Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors, is not cartoon villain versus hero. It's much more nuanced than that. And I thought it was a nice touch. For example, Drago Jr.'s in Creed Two, right? And he he doesn't just disappear after he's played his part in Creed 2. He's still around in Creed 3 because he's still a major contender in boxing. Because he would be, right? Look at Drago in in Creed 2. That guy has got a big boxing career ahead of him, right? So he shouldn't just disappear. He should still be knocking about, yeah? So there's lots of stuff to enjoy, and I enjoyed going to see it. But you know, if you if you're only going to go and see movies to be absolutely kind of, I must see this. I can't afford to miss it. It's not a can't afford to miss it film, but it is very good, and I'm glad it's doing well. It's a it's a, it's a decent, genuinely enjoyable movie. Um, there's no Stallone this time, but that worked fine to focus on the rest of the story. It's a, a good piece of solid blockbuster entertainment. Decent stuff. Good. I mean, if you if you do have a free afternoon, and decide to pop out to the cinema, you will enjoy it. But I think you know, if you've missed a crude film and caught it on streaming before, it will still be fine. Um. So that's that. So, are there any? Uh, if there's no more new films to discuss, there aren't, are there, mate?
1: I don't think so.
0: Well, shall we talk about our resolutions then? So yes, just 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 to recap, say. just to recap. James's New Year's resolution, which was recommended uh, by uh, a listener to the pod, uh, was to watch Nick Cage films all year. And you added the very interesting feature of this, where it's the, the Nick Cage randomizer, where you go on, you click a link, and it suggests the film. So you have no control over what Nick Cage film you're going to see. Now, that has good and bad. You know, If you're hoping for a particularly good or particularly enjoyably bad Cage film, you might miss that and get some other sort of dreck but it does add an element of fun and surprise where I've no idea what film you were forced to watch. So, take it away and surprise me.
1: So, this month, it was Ghost Rider. (laughs) Excellent! Yeah!
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, great. Okay, all right, talk me through Ghost Rider.
1: I didn't finish. (laughs) Ghost Rider 2, Spirit of Vengeance.
0: Oh no, oh no, it's Ghost Rider 2, that's even worse. Sorry, sorry, talk talk me through Ghost
1: Rider 2. I don't even know what, Ghost Rider 2 doesn't know what Ghost Rider 2 is. But I'd I'd watched um, the first one back when it came out and thought, this is boring. Just a really boring character. Um, Just a really shit comic book character that no one gives a fuck about. But I didn't think much of it. And then this generator made me watch the sequel. And to be honest, the only thing that got me through watching it was that there's a character called Mephistopheles. Yeah. And all it made me think of is that line in Team America where the guy goes, and I was raped by Mr. Mephistopheles. That is the only, only highlight from this film that the name of one of the characters sort of sounds like Mr. Mephistopheles from Cats. That is it. So, it's so, so yeah. bad. I couldn't even tell you the plot. Ghost Rider cuts about being a dick for two hours. That, that's it. And It's it, got Nicholas Cage, Kieran Hines, Idris Elba in it. And it's still what a criminal, awful.
0: What a criminal waste of a cast, man.
1: It's got Christopher Lambert in it.
0: Well, that's a mixed blessing. He's been in some bloody terrible films in his day.
1: I know, but him and his forehead could have maybe done something in this film. Yeah. But no, it was just terrible. Uh, Don't watch it, because I had to. I've watched it for you. Nothing happens. Nothing of note happens that would make you want to spend the fiver to rent it or buy the DVD.
0: Oh, no. Don't
1: bother. Instead, just punch yourself in the cock for two hours. Yeah, that would be more enjoyable
0: the whole kind of this potentially quite cool that it's like a burning ghost bike and he looks like a like a skeleton but if if you do actually like that sort of thing there is something that you might find enjoyable instead there is an animated version of um, Terry Pratchett's soul music um, in which um, it, you know in, in Terry Pratchett's disc world he, he uses that that world to kind of reflect on other things so he has a he he does uh, a book in which uh, the, the films are invented, and he does a book in which kind of the you know the, the telegraph is invented and revolutionised communications. He does like uh, you know setting up a police force in Discworld, and Soul Music is about the invention of rock and roll in the Discworld and how rock and roll plays out in in his funny quirky world. And one of the things that happens is that his character of Death, the Grim Reaper, um, his world is changed by the. The spirit of rock and roll, and instead of riding a horse, he rides a, a, a death motorbike around, and the grim reaper kind of flies around over the top of a giant um, rock and roll gig on a, on a sort of a burning death motorcycle, and that's quite fun. If if you want to see an entertaining film that features that kind of death on a motorcycle, that might be that might be the antidote. But n- nothing else to Alan Ghost Rider 2?
1: Nah, no <laughs> fuck off. <laughs>
0: Okay, so my, my resolution is a little bit more curated because I, I get to choose the films. Um, I am now doing the third uh, third installment of this, the third visit of this year to the Cronenberg Institute. Um, and what I've been doing is I've been filling in the, the blanks a little bit of the Cronenberg films I haven't seen. And then I'm going to top off the year at the end with three of my favorite films that kind of sum up Cronenberg's career in a different way. So I'm, I'm still at the moment going through his early films that, that I hadn't seen before. And this one was The Brood uh made in 1979 although released in most markets in 1980 he this was his kind of f- follow-up in the sense of it's not a follow-up to the story but he's still continuing his like body horror genre really it's a follow-up to shivers and rabid which he did earlier you know which i did in, in previous episodes this year um his budgets are getting bigger the names of the actors getting involved at this there was um uh He's He's been bringing in a couple of international stars here, which is Oliver Reed and Samantha Egger, who'd been quite a big name actress in the 60s. Uh, and obviously Oliver Reed was a big name at the time. Um, it's really interesting because David Cronenberg at the time called it his sort of antidote to Kramer versus Kramer, which you may not have seen, mate, but that's where Dustin Hoffman um, is in a custody battle over his child after a divorce. And he has his kid living with him and has to kind of contend with the issues of fatherhood for the first time now that his wife's not there. Um, this was his kind of Cronenberg's kind of very sort of dark and twisted version of that. And it's actually also, he called it an exorcism of the trauma of his divorce because elements of the story are inspired by his own kind of life in that he, um, he had a custody battle with his ex-wife over their daughter because his wife had been, um, it's not one of these kind of just getting back at the person I've broken up with. This is like an Amber Heard Johnny Depp situation. There's a very specific situation here. Um, his ex-wife had uh, some problems that she went to see a psychiatrist for. She had some childhood trauma that she was trying to sort out. But the psychiatrist that she went to was basically a cult leader with new experimental treatments. And he basically brainwashed her. So his, his wife was brainwashed and wanted to move with the cult to California with his kid. And David Cronenberg had to fight that in court. So it's about, it's about this kind of shadowy psychiatrist who's kind of got this you know, net unpleasant hold over people. And it's about, you know, how trauma carries on from childhood and the effect of the divorce on, on, on everyone involved, including the kids. Um, but obviously he does it in his very twisted Cronenberg way, because what's happening is, is all that trauma is manifesting in demonic children kind of sprouting from the body of, of the mum and going off and killing people. Because uh, it's Cronenberg and he's twisted and weird. Um So while it's got like a serious underlying theme, it then goes into kind of mad Cronenberg territory and these terrifying creatures are, you know, murdering people close to uh, the people in the story. Uh, Negative emotions seem to manifest into these kind of, you know, killer creatures. It's more polished than previous films. It's his first outing with Howard Shaw doing the music who has scored pretty much every Cronenberg film ever since and did the music for Lord of the Rings. Um, What did I think of it? I mean, it's genuinely scary and it's genuinely disturbing with some moments of body horror, which sort of, like I said, spring from the trauma. So it does come from a real place. And Oliver is excellent as the sinister psychiatrist. But I don't know what it is. It doesn't quite kind of work for me. It's almost as if he's kind of He's limited by the real-life events of the story a little bit, and it's kind of stuck him in this kind of world. And it's not got as much of a transformation arc, which is what I tend to like about Cronenberg. His, his characters are kind of changed by what happens to them in the film, or are changing, and the film follows that. Um, so, because I'm not as caught up in the story, it does seem a little bit silly. It's weird, because Scanners, which I'm not going to do this year, is not as well-acted as this on any level, and basically rests solely on the really dramatic kind of head-exploding scene, which everyone's seen. You've seen the gif. You've seen it on the internet. And this is better-acted and better-made than that, but somehow the story doesn't connect with me as much. Um, and It's... I think I think that's partly because the characters end up acting in ways just to serve the story. Like Oliver Reed as the psychiatrist is painted as this kind of very kind of you know disturbing character who's kind of uh, exploiting vulnerable people who, are, who who he's meant to be helping, and then changes and sort of acts differently towards the end, and it doesn't really make much sense except to make the final act work. So, uh, it's good. Uh, and but i didn't quite kind of connect with it as much as as i did it's very interesting because it does actually show Cronenberg saying he's going to use this film to kind of go through the pain of like what being divorced did to him to his wife to his kid how childhood trauma can kind of manifest itself and this kind of crazy psychiatrist character so it's a very interesting film in terms of the background but the film itself yeah it's it, it's good but it didn't quite kind of hit me the way some of other earlier Cronenberg did um but what it did do is it enabled me to do an, an impromptu top ten inspired by this film, which is uh, psychiatrists and psychiatry portrayed in films. So this is just ten films in which psychiatrists play some sort of significant part in the story. Um, and in no particular order, Spellbound, The Prince of Tides, Goodwill Hunting, Dressed to Kill, The Sixth Sense, Equus, Antoine Fisher, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, obviously. High Anxiety and the Silence of the Lambs. Uh, so quite a varied list there. Um, so that's uh, that's my Cronenberg uh, entry for this month, and that's my impromptu top ten. Uh, was there anything else that, uh, that you wanted to cover, mate? Have, have you? You haven't seen The Brood, have you? No, I haven't. No, no. It's uh, it it hasn't aged all that brilliantly. Um, but that's that's everything for for Double A Monthly so far. I think, unless there's anything else that you wanted to add or cover.
1: No, I think we've done it justice.
0: Very good. All right. Well, thank you very much, everyone. We'll uh, we'll wrap it up with some credits, and uh, we'll see you in a week's time for the uh, for the next episode. That's all for the March edition of Double Reel Monthly. Thanks for listening. Thanks also to my co host James Adamson. The music was "Mistake the Gateway"
1: by Kevin MacLeod.
0: Next week, we'll be back with our regular features. First up will be our Classics and Recommended feature where we finally get round to watching Michael Clayton and our Hidden Gem where we tell you why you should get round to watching Scorsese's lesser-known 80s feature, After Hours.
1: In The One That Got Away, we'll tell you what happened to Spielberg's other alien sci-fi film, Night Skies and in the remake hate watch, we'll look at the 2020 reboot of Road Dahl's The Witches.
0: We look forward to you joining us then. Look after yourselves in the meantime. See you on the other side.